0: Hey, how's everybody doing? Well, thank you so much uh, for being here. We're in the second part of a series called Found People, and I'm going to be talking more about what that means. If you're watching on the screen today at our Wake Forest location or at our Cary location, thank you so much for being here. I uh, would love it if those of you here for the first time would come down front and meet one of the pastors and one of our leaders after the service. Just come by when we wrap up here and say hello. Hello. So in this series, Found People, uh, if you missed last week, you gotta go on our website, uh, listen or watch uh, the first one. Just go to lifepointchurch.com. You can uh, find the video or the audio of that one and get caught up. But the idea is that everybody who knows Christ, everybody that's a follower of Christ, has been found by him. So whether you grew up in church and your parents pointed the way for you, or you discovered at some point in your life that you were far from God, and you made a decision to turn and walk in a new direction, you have been found by Christ. And according to Scripture, there are certain things that people who follow Christ, that found people do. Not to earn God's love, not to make God love them more or accept them more, but just simply... As a result of being found by God, certain things happen. And that's what we're going to be focusing on on in this series. Because, like we talked about last week, found people find people. And those of us who are found by God, one of the responsibilities we have as a person who has been found by Christ is to find other people. Because of where we live in an amazing area of the country, people are moving here at a very fast rate, faster than many or most other cities and and regions of our country. In fact, in our area, there's 63 new people a day show up, 63. Some of them know Christ, many of them do not. So in this series, with that in mind, we're asking you to do three things, over the last week, this week, and next week. Simply invite someone. Simply ask somebody to come and experience what you're experiencing. We have a big day that we created just for you to do that. September 18th is Show Up Sunday. I'm gonna talk about that in just a little bit, little bit more, how you can really be involved in Show Up Sunday. Another thing we're gonna ask you to do is to just learn how to share your story. Maybe you've never thought about, those of you who follow Christ, how to share your story with somebody else. And then for many of you, it's time for you to take a step. It's time for you to take a step and say, I really want to be more involved in the mission of the church that I attend. I really want to be in a group. I want to follow Christ in baptism. I need to take a step. Why? Because that's what found people do. It's normal for found people to invite others to share their story and to take next steps. Now, some people in our world would think that's radical behavior or that's extreme behavior to do those things. But when you look at followers of Christ throughout history, that's just normal, everyday behavior of people who have been found by God. So today I want to talk to you about the next thing that's normal for every follower of Christ to do, and that is share your faith. Now, it gets a little scary when we start talking about sharing faith because it's like politics. Somehow faith and politics got lumped in the same category to where if you talk about it around the wrong person, uh, they'll unfriend you in some way. Like, how many people have unfriended people either digitally or in real life because of their political views and you're tired of hearing it. Let's just have a show of hands, yeah. Several people have done that. It's because, my gosh, you're not gonna change my mind. Why in the world do I have to look at this over and over? Well, somehow, that, that faith has got lumped in that category with politics to where if you wanna shut down a room, just say, I would like to tell you the story of how Jesus changed my life. <laughs> and nobody will say anything. It's like, uh-oh, we got a fanatic among us. We've got somebody that's a Jesus freak. We've got somebody that, that's not in touch with reality. And so what happens is people start to see faith and have started to see faith as this personal thing. Faith is just my personal thing, and I don't talk about it because it's just personal. If you read the Bible cover to cover, especially the New Testament, there's very little talk about Jesus being a personal Savior. Now, you hear preachers talk about that, except Jesus as your personal savior. And of course, Jesus is personally standing willing to forgive and live inside of any person who believes in him and trusts in him and obeys him. But the idea of faith being a personal thing in, in that you don't talk about it with anybody else is a foreign thought when you try to match that up with what Jesus said or how first century followers of Christ when they started this thing called the church, when it began. Nobody would have even dreamed of calling faith this personal thing that you just keep to yourself. And yet that is what millions of followers of Christ do. They just keep quiet about it. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. I wanna share some of what God's word has to say about us Speaking about our faith. Us keeping quiet about our faith is not going to help us be God's mouthpiece to the world, to the 63 people a day that are moving into our area. If we say, well, that's just a personal thing and I'm not gonna bring that up. I'm not gonna talk about that. That's not God's plan. That's not the way it works. Now, people don't, But you have to understand that God's plan to get his message to a world that needs to hear it is you. You are the marketing plan. Those of us who say, I've been found by Christ, and I live for Christ, and he has forgiven my sins, we are Jesus's marketing plan. That's how it's been from the very beginning since Jesus said, I want you to go, and I want you to tell people everywhere about me. In the the first century, when this guy named Paul became a follower of Christ and started to plant churches and teach people what it meant to really, truly be a follower of Christ, he said these words in the book of Romans, chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, you believe that. That everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. What does that mean? Well, he goes on to actually tell us what it means and how people call on the name of the Lord. It's not just, oh, hey, God, uh, help me out. There's something more behind it. And he goes on to say it like this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? So he's setting up a scenario where God's word, Jesus' forgiveness, is available to all. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what your family life was like. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. Salvation is available to all equally. Everybody. Every human Salvation is available to them. First, Paul says that. It's available to all. And then he goes on to say, but they need to hear about him. And then he answers his own question. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Somebody needs to tell others about who Jesus is and how he works in their life this verse has the this is one of the biggest butts in the bible everybody that calls on the name of the lord will be saved but they got to hear and somebody's got to tell them that's how the world will be saved and learn about Christ when I first became a follower of Christ many many years ago many years ago I was so intimidated by telling somebody else about my faith. I thought I wasn't worthy, I'm full of mistakes, how could I ever tell anybody else about what I found? So I just didn't do it. But then one day I pushed through, I just pushed through my fears and I shared with somebody what Christ had done in my life and I was hooked. When I watched them listen to my story and I saw them make a decision for Christ on their own, I thought, this is amazing. Like I got a story and they listened and I read some scripture to them and I really didn't know what I was doing. Somebody else highlighted what I was supposed to read to them and I did it. And, and they were like, yeah, I would love to do that. And I remember thinking, I, I got to reorient my life so I can do this more. It's scary, but we still have to push through and do it because if we don't, if we don't push through the fear and verbally tell our stories and, and say what Christ has done in our life and offer that to other people, there's a lot of loud voices that'll keep talking, people that don't represent him well at all, people that kind of do things like this, walking around with signs and, and just kind of say, hey, ask me why you deserve hell I saw one that said, it was standing outside of a a, a bunch of college students walking by, and the guy was holding a sign, and it said, uh, party now, burn later. Those people are going to keep talking, and they don't represent Christ well at all. Have you ever noticed who they find for talk shows and, and TV interviews? It's usually somebody that you end up thinking, oh my gosh, they do not represent what I have found that's changed my life. And so if we don't talk, those people that made that sign, they're the ones that are going to talk. They're going to be the loudest voice. They're going to be the ones that's heard. And so we have to talk about what Christ has done in our life. Because if we don't, the loud voices keep talking and nobody hears the real good news. And it doesn't mean that everybody stands on a stage and talks it just means that every person who says, I've been found by God can share their story in such a way that it motivates people to make a decision. It motivates people to listen. Like every one of you who are, who's a follower of Christ, you can do this. Now it's scary, and I think people don't do it for a couple of reasons. One is, you think, I don't know enough. What if somebody asked me where the dinosaurs came from? What in the heck am I gonna tell them? What if they asked me, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? What if they ask me that? Like, I'm not going to know how to answer that. What if they start asking me some question about the Bible versus another uh, religious book or another holy book, the world calls it? What if they start asking questions that I don't know how to answer? So the best thing I'm going to do is just be quiet. That's totally understandable. If you're not saying something because you think, oh, I don't know enough, or I'm just afraid of being rejected. What if I talk about it and it offends somebody so much that they just reject my friendship and they don't want anything to do with me anymore? But what if there was a way that you could help find people by sharing your story and you could do it in a non-intimidating way? You could do it in a way that not only motivated other people to make decisions and consider what you, finding what you found, but do it in a way that helps you grow. Some of the greatest leaps I have ever taken as a follower of Christ are when I was, it, when I was sharing my faith with somebody else. When I shared my faith and somebody responded with belief, it was like I accelerated my spiritual growth. And people talk to me all the time that want to grow spiritually. And they think if I just go to church enough, or if I just show up and hear the right message, or if I just listen to the right music, or if I get in a group and I read the right scripture, then I'm just gonna grow by leaps and bounds. And you will grow by doing those things. But if you want the fast track to spiritual growth, start sharing what Christ has done in your life in a way with other people that motivates them to consider finding what you've found. And when they do make a decision, you will grow faster than you ever thought possible. And it's as simple as speaking from your own experience. Every time that I get ready to buy something, I, I, I read reviews. Who reads reviews when you get ready to buy something? You read reviews because you want to know, is this a good product or not? Uh, like if you're doing multi-level marketing or some kind of uh, you know, the latest thing coming through, whether it's health stuff or skincare or whatever it is. And you're probably gonna post it on social media. That's a great medium to use. But when you post that, if you're one of those salespeople and you sell stuff, you tell stories. You tell a story about somebody that used the product and it made a difference. Somehow, when we hear a story about somebody that had an experience, they end up motivating us to consider doing what they did. Oh, well, you can get that thin by taking that, I'll take it, I'll buy it. You can look like that, if you do that, sign me up, I'll buy some, because we see a story that worked. I have a confession to make. Until about a month ago, this is weird, I'd never had a smoothie in my life. I'd never had ice and fruit mixed up in a blender and drank it, I'd never done that before. So I had one about a month ago and I was like, this is really good, so I had another. And then I realized these are like six bucks each, maybe we should make smoothies at home. And so we go out to buy a smoothie machine, you know, like a a real heavy duty thing that's gonna crush that ice up and and get it just right and and we're standing there and they're not cheap and I thought, well, I gotta go read some reviews. So we left the store so I could read reviews about smoothie machines. And hear stories of people that bought this one and had this experience with it. And I'll make a decision based on the the one that has the best stories. So a compelling story that's told from a personal experience will motivate others to make a decision. Always. Either to do it or not to do it. Another thing that I've I've never done. I have never been on a cruise. And some of you are like, oh gosh, you poor guy. I I just have no desire to get out in the middle of the ocean with 5,000 people that I don't know and go down a water slide. You know, that just does not appeal to me. I'm a little more free flowing. I like to drive places and and be able to get free and not be stuck. And so it's just not appealing to me. But people who do, you're like, oh my gosh, your life is not going to be complete. You don't understand. You've got to go on a cruise. It'll change your life. Who's talked to people like that? Tell the truth. Some of you are probably in here and you just think, Donnie, you gotta do it. You'll come up afterwards and you just gotta give it a try. You gotta give it a try. You just don't understand. Now, there's no class, I would imagine, on a cruise ship that says, hey, I want you to come take this class uh, so you can learn how to tell people about this cruise when you get back home. They, don't, they just create an experience for you and it's so meaningful that you tell other people about it. What if we experienced Christ in our life in such a way that it was so moving and so meaningful that we told other people about it? What if we were like the marketing that we see online? What if we were like the cruise people? And we said, this experience has been so meaningful to me, I can't not talk about it. There's a story from the ministry of Christ where he met up with a guy And the guy's life was never the same. And that story can give us a lot of confidence on how we can share our story. How found people can share their story in a way that's not intimidating and that motivates other people to make decisions. It's in John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, it says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now, when somebody was blind in the first century, it meant that they had nothing else to do. There was no other way for them to get income except for begging. They had to beg. So they had to sit there with a can and people dropped money in as they went by. That was their only way. There were no social services. There was no government to take care of them. There was no body to take care of them except people who just happened to be generous who walked by. So this guy was desperate. And Jesus saw this guy born blind. And he gets in this conversation with his disciples because they thought, well, if he's blind, it meant he must have sinned or his parents sinned. And Jesus said, let's not worry about why he's like this. Let's do something about it. And so it says that Jesus spits in the the dirt, stirs it up, places the mud on the guy's eyes. That's all he does. Makes the mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. And here's what he says. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So he did what Jesus said. He went away, washed the mud off of his eyes, and he could see. Then he goes home, and people start to see him walking down the street, and they notice something's different. Here's the guy that used to be blind. He's not bumping into things, and he kind of looks like he knows where he's going. They noticed something was different about his life. And so they start to have this discussion about, well, who is this? This looks like the guy that used to be blind. And, and so here's what it says. His neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. So they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where's he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. So they start asking a lot more questions. They start asking him more like, wait a minute, you're saying that this guy Jesus put mud on your eyes and you washed it out and now you can see. That, that You expect us to believe that. And so they keep asking questions. They get so upset, they take him to the religious leaders of the day. Be like taking him to the church and saying, Donnie, check this guy out. Can you believe this? And so they take him into the church leaders or or the religious leaders and, and they're saying, hey, figure out what's wrong. And they start asking questions. They bring the guy's parents in and they're looking at his parents saying, is this your son? And they're really intimidated by this time and his parents say, look, he's old enough, let him Answer for himself. Because they were upset because Jesus didn't heal on the day they thought he should heal on. It was the Sabbath, and they thought, well, you can't do any healing on the Sabbath. So they're worried that somebody might have done something they shouldn't on the Sabbath, and so they're focused on the wrong things. It isn't going well for the formerly blind guy, and they just keep bullying him and asking him and questioning him, and then they realize they can't get out of it, And they say, look, okay, this is the guy. He was blind and now he can see. Couldn't have been Jesus though. Just, then they say this, just God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus is a sinner. And so what he's trying to say is this, Jesus is bad. So if you're healed, it could not have been him. So just admit that you misspoke. It wasn't Jesus and everything's going to be okay. Now, if you're the blind guy and you know that Jesus was the one that healed you and you're looking at all these people that you've never seen before, including your parents, and they're not sticking up for you and you've had this life-changing experience and they keep pushing and pushing him saying, admit, admit Jesus is a sinner. Admit God did this and Jesus had nothing to do with it and, and everything's going to be Okay. And he finally says these words in chapter 9, verse 25. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied. But I know this, I was blind and now I can see. He's saying, there's a lot I don't understand. There's a lot I don't get. He probably, well, he had definitely never read the scriptures. He probably didn't know the scriptures. So he couldn't like theologically prove his point. He couldn't theologically pull out the scrolls or take them to the synagogue and say, read this prophecy. That's Jesus. He probably had never been educated, so he couldn't do that. All he could do was speak from his experience. He was found by Jesus. He had an experience. He talked about it in such a way that intrigued people to ask more questions. And so he ends up saying, look, I I don't know Whether or not, I'm not sure. But I know that before I met Jesus, I couldn't see and I met Jesus and now I can see. I'm just telling you what I know. He didn't have to go to school for that. He didn't have to take a class for that. He just said, all I know is the world treated me like damaged goods and Jesus showed up and treated me differently. All I know is I never knew what blue was and now I can see the blue sky. All I know is... I had to feel my way around to keep from running into things. And now I can see. And Jesus is the one who did it for me. I'm just telling you what happened. I want to challenge you. The the, the three things that this formerly blind guy did, you can do the same thing. Because his story was divided into three very distinct areas. First one, my life before Jesus. I was blind. He's just saying, I I was blind. That's who I was before I met Jesus. I was blind. So he's telling his story by just saying, I was blind. So if you're a follower of Christ, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Mine was hopeless. Mine was empty. I was searching for all these other things to find hope and fulfillment in, and it just wasn't working. So your life was something before you met Jesus. Something was going on. Maybe if you grew up in church, what was your life like? Maybe your parents provided for you this strong foundation of faith, but there was a day, even if you've never done a bad thing in your life, and your parents provided this foundation for you, you still have a story about your life before Jesus because there was a time when that faith your parents gave you became yours, and it became real, and it became something that carried you. Not because of them, but because you discovered Jesus. So you have a story. And maybe yours is a radical story that you were lost and going the wrong direction, but that's what your life was like before Jesus. Next category is, well, how I met Jesus. My life before Jesus, he was blind. How I met Jesus, he put mud on my eyes. I was just sitting there and this guy comes up and he rubs mud, mixed with spit on my eyes. So what Jesus did, told me to go wash it off. He was saying, this is what was going on in my life. Before I met Jesus, I was blind, and then I I met him and he put mud on my eyes. And something happened. And then the the next area is my life since I met Jesus. I was blind, Jesus put mud on my eyes, and now I see. So if you're a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you to do something. I mean, in your your notes, write this down. You have notes in your program. Write down these three things. My life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, my life since I met Jesus. Everybody's story of being found can be told in those three phrases. What it was like before, how I met him, and what it's been like since. And if you really maybe sit down tonight or sometime this week and, and think through and write that out. Well, what was my life like before? And how did I meet him? And, and what's it been like since? Then you're starting to write out your story so you can share your experience in a way that's a personal experience to you that when heard by others could motivate them to make a decision. This is important for us to get because we are God's plan to let those 63 people a day that are moving to our area, we're his plan to let them know. That's why we're having this big day, September 18th, show up Sunday where we're saying, look, here's what we want you to do. We want you to take this card, my five. Think of the five people that you're gonna invite. Write their names on here, pray over them. I I just found out today somebody that's at our church, super involved at our church now, And they said, oh, I was one of those last year when you did that My Five thing. Somebody wrote their name on there, and now here they are at our church involved and making a difference. All because last fall at this time, and we said, hey, pick out your five people. Those of you here at our North Raleigh location, uh, this building has been open for uh, three years almost. And before the building opened, we had a ceremony out on the front lawn, and this was just a shell. There was nothing in here. And we had everybody write on cards people they wanted to pray for, people they wanted God to get involved in their lives. And so hundreds and hundreds of people filled out just these little cards. We put them in a box, and we were putting the sheetrock up literally in that wall right there. We poured all those names in there, and they're still in there. And every now and then, especially after a baptism service, a spouse or a parent or a friend, they'll come up to me and they'll say, Hey, in that wall right there is the person's name that I prayed for, is the person's name that I hoped would hear the message of Christ and find Jesus. And here they are. It's important that those of us who are found by Christ, not only find people, but be able to communicate our story in such a way that motivates people to make a decision. So if anybody ever says, well, hey, why do you do that? You know, you can tell them. Let's learn this together. Together, tell our story, together gain confidence in being able to write out our story because we don't want other people who represent Jesus poorly to be the ones with the loudest voice. We want the people who have genuine life change stories to be able to articulate, articulate that in such a way that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because they heard it from someone who told them what Jesus did in their life. You don't have to be intimidated by that. You just have to have the confidence to talk about what your life was like before Jesus, how you met him, and what it's been like since. Nobody can argue with that. No matter who you are, you have a story to tell. So we're asking our church over the next few weeks, to help us write more stories in people's lives. Not so we can have more people in seats. We don't get any satisfaction out of having more people in seats, but the satisfaction comes when we hear people say, my life is different. I was blind and now I see. And you are the way that people will be found through Christ working in your story. And if you're here today and you don't have a story, you're still in that, my life before Christ. We would love to guide you through that decision. Just come down front and talk to us and we'll, we'll help you and guide you through what it means to be found by God. So when you leave today, get a My Five card in the back and take it home with you and think about who are the five people? And if you have 10, just make more lines that I would like to see be found by God. I would like to see their life change. I would like to invite them to come and experience what I'm experiencing. Just write those out and pray for them and invite them to be here on September the 18th. There's also invite cards out there that you can take and give to folks when you do invite them. And let's make a difference in our city. Those of us who are found help everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved because they heard it from people who already knew him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenge that's intimidating sometimes and confusing. But Father, the stories that are in our lives are there for a reason. You changed us so we can help change others. And God, as people sitting here today make a decision that they're going to write out their story and they're going to share their story because that's what found people do. I pray you would just fill everyone in here with confidence that lives can be changed because of the experience that they've had with you. And I pray for those that have yet to have that experience. May today be a day they take one step closer. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.